Hello everyone, and welcome to Reading with Christine Figs. I'm your host, Christine, and I am so happy you are here with me today. So I wanted to record this episode about a week ago, but then I lost my voice. Blame it on a lively bridesmaids get-together for my cousin's upcoming wedding and an even rowdier family game night, which if you follow me on Instagram, you already saw how intense it can get. Now it's back, but I have the worst case of allergies, so I promise to keep my sniffles and sneezes to a minimum. I just don't want to go too much longer without talking about this book. In this episode, we will be talking about my most recent read, The Woman in Cabin 10 by Ruth Ware. The description goes like this. In this tightly wound, enthralling story, reminiscent of Agatha Christie's works, Lo Blacklock, (laughs) her name is such a tongue twister, a journalist who writes for a travel magazine has just been given the assignment of a lifetime, a week on a luxury cruise with only a handful of cabins. The sky is clear, the waters calm, and the veneered select guests, jovial as the exclusive cruise ship, the Aurora, begins her voyage in the picturesque North Sea. At first, Lowe's stay is nothing but pleasant. The cabins are plush, the dinner parties are sparkling, and the guests are elegant. But as the week wears on, frigid winds whip the deck, gray skies fall, and Lowe witnesses what she can only describe as a dark and terrifying nightmare a woman being thrown overboard. The problem? All passengers remain accounted for, and so the ship sails on as if nothing has happened, despite Lowe's desperate attempts to convey that something or someone has gone terribly, terribly wrong. This book. Okay, first, I don't typically read thrillers. That's more my best friend Liz and sister-in-law Jess's genre. They love that fast-paced, can't-read-it-fast-enough type of book. But I really am trying to branch out. And honestly, I just keep thinking if I limit what books I read, then I'll be missing out on so many good stories. Enter The Woman in Cabin 10. This gripped me from the very beginning and did not let me go. From the first few moments, Laura, or Lo as her friends and therefore us call her, is someone you can instantly relate to, which makes it even more startling when as page one begins, she is waking up with a serious hangover, only to realize that her home is being burglarized with her in it. It's pretty brutal, and even though her physical injuries are minimal, the emotional scarring is definitely the worst part. With barely having a moment to process what she's just been through, she's instantly reminded of a work trip she has to go on, one of those career opportunities of a lifetime every travel journalist prays for. So she finds herself on a tiny cruise ship catering to the richest of the rich while trying to network and mentally write out her next piece, all while being massively sleep deprived because of what she's just gone through. Throw into the mix that, in the middle of her first night there, she hears a scream, followed by a large splash, and sees what she believes to be a bloody handrail. She suddenly finds herself in the middle of a possible murder investigation. The only issue is, did she really hear a scream? Because she had been drinking, and nightmares had become her new norm ever since the burglary. How about the bloody handrail? When security checked, there was no blood in sight. What about the guest list? Oh, no one is missing? Then who could have possibly been thrown overboard? As the security team starts going through every one of her questions and their answers seem to make complete and absolute sense, you start to wonder what exactly is going on here. Is Lowe starting to have a breakdown? Or was someone really murdered and people are working extra hard to cover it up? Needless to say, it makes complete sense that her anxiety and ours on her behalf would be through the roof. 
I quickly became so protective of her, concerned with every turn she took trying to solve this mystery while also cheering her on, yelling, like, yeah, don't you dare stop poking and prodding. I can't say too much more without giving the story away, but it's filled with such vibrant characters that you really spend your time wondering along with her, is it you? Are you the murderer? As the book continues, the twists keep coming, which leaves you on your toes. I found myself reading the last pages at a fever pitch as yet another brilliant twist was revealed. This is one of those stories that I know I won't forget. And honestly, Liz and Jess, if you're listening and haven't read this book yet, then act surprised when you open it on Christmas because this is a great recommendation for anyone that loves the thriller genre. The Woman in Cabin 10 is currently in my Reading with Christine Figg's online shop. The link is in my bio if you're interested in purchasing it for yourself or any of your fellow thriller-loving friends. Ooh, that sentence is a tongue twister. And if you read it, reach out and let me know what you think. I'm dying to talk to someone about it. As always, you can email me at readingwithchristinefigs at gmail.com. Okay, now on to the art portion of this episode, which um, I'm pretty proud I haven't sneezed yet, so let's keep this going. (laughs) I want to talk about something a little different. In the past, I've shared music, documentaries, and of course, poetry, and I will continue to do that. But there's another form of art I want to share with you, and that's performance art. It's a little bit of a challenge to describe because you can't see it for yourself, but my hope is that maybe you'll hear about something I've been able to experience and want to go and experience it for yourself. Enter Riverdance. I saw the State Theater of New Jersey was having this amazing deal back in January, and I decided to purchase myself a ticket for a little solo date, and I was definitely not disappointed. For anyone that might not know what Riverdance is, it is, and this is pulled directly from Wikipedia, so stick with me here, a theatrical show that consists mainly of traditional Irish music and dance, with a score composed by Bill Whelan. It originated as an interval performance act during the 1994 Eurovision Song Contest, featuring Irish dancing champions Jean Butler and Michael Flatley. Shortly afterwards, husband and wife production team John McColgan and Moya Doherty expanded it into a stage show, which opened in Dublin on on February 9th, 1995. Since then, the show has visited over 450 venues worldwide and has been seen by over 25 million people, making it one of the most successful dance productions in the world. The content of the show draws from mostly Irish influences and is loosely based on the story of the Irish people. Though today dancers are highly trained and participate in competitions around the world, Irish step dancing remains a folk tradition of the common people with origins reaching as far back as the 18th century. So let me try to, pardon the pun, set the stage for you. (laughs) You grab your seat in a beautiful theater while a logo appears on stage saying Riverdance 25th year celebration. And as the lights dim, you see a video showcasing 25 years of the art that is Riverdance from the 90s to today. It acts as almost like a promise reminding you that you have never seen anything like what you are about to witness. A beautiful woman comes on stage and so begins the show. The performances alternate between four solo musicians playing a a violin, a clarinet, a soprano saxophone, and even the drums, who they also come together to perform most of the music of the show. But those are just the musicians. There is also a singer that sings in the most beautiful voice, The songs always sound like they were plucked from a fairy tale, sung years ago around an open fire while people from the village looked on. Then, of course, there is the dancing. 
Oh, the dancing. I have never in my life seen anyone's feet move with such speed. And I'm a salsa dancer, okay? (laughs) Irish step dancing is described as a style of dance characterized by a stiff upper body and quick foot movements. Combined with energetic movement and elaborate costumes, the dancers perform their moves with such rigidity in the upper part of their body that at first you mainly notice the bobbing up and down of their heads, forgetting that all of the movement is coming from their feet. That's when you look down and see a flurry of movement that you almost want to record and watch back in slow motion. The dancers fly across the stage and work in such formations that you can't help but think of the years of training it must have taken to dance so seamlessly together. Not one person or foot out of place just blows you away. And also, not one single smile? It caught me off guard at first, but then I realized it just must have been part of the tradition, which I will tell you made the last performance right before intermission even that much more special. So the entire cast is on stage performing when our lead female and male dancers are on stage together for the first time of the night and their chemistry is electric. Oh my gosh. Which when I, that's basically when you see it happen the first time, the first smile of the night on our lead female dancer. And it's so genuine that you can't help but see how much fun she's having and almost like a domino effect the rest of the dancers all begin to smile as if they know something that we don't know yet. And that's when it happens. They all line up in traditional river dance fashion and perform the moves so many people have learned to acquaint with river dance. They all stand shoulder to shoulder, holding hands, their feet moving in sync at lightning speed while they're all smiling so hard that it borders on laughter. Oh, and you can't help but imagine the feeling of knowing that years and years of training have paid off for this moment. And we're just lucky to be here to watch it. The show also showcases other types of dancers, flamenco dancers, and even tap dancers, which believe me when I say watching a dance off between Irish step dancers and tap dancers is more fun than you can imagine. The show was enjoyable from start to finish. And after I left, my cheeks hurt from smiling so hard because it was just so much fun. It's definitely a show for anyone and all ages because everyone will enjoy it. And I hope if you ever hear that Riverdance is performing near you, that you'll give it a chance. Okay, I think I've rambled on for long enough. And again, I have yet to sneeze, so I'm very happy. And I'm going to wrap this up before my luck runs out. (laughs) I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And that you stay tuned for the next one where I talk about my current read, Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. So until next time. I hope you read, and if you can't, because that's just how life goes sometimes, I hope you enjoy some art in whatever form you find it, because when life gets difficult, it is art in all of its many forms that can hold us, heal us, and give us hope. I love you all. Happy reading.